Welcome to the Chapters of Grace podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Heather. And we're two friends collecting stories of God's grace and sharing them along the way. Welcome to the Chapters of Grace podcast. Thank you for joining us today as we continue with Chris Huff's episode today on his journey with depression. We hope that um, you are touched today by this episode and thank you for listening. That brings me to stage three, where we'll, we'll go from 2017 to 2019, very, you know, January of 2020 is where we'll, we'll take this time frame. And there were times where I was able to, to let depression take a back seat. Um, but I noticed that Mondays and Thursdays were the two days that I struggled with it the most. Um, and, and so there was a message I was listening to where the pastor actually was talking about how he takes his kids or his uh, students and he was a youth pastor to a ski lift and he was in the infirmary just talking to him and, and they actually said that 90% of the injuries that happen happen the last two hours of the day and it's because you're overconfident you think you know what you're doing you think you've got it under control and so what this meant for me is Mondays and Thursdays it was right after a spiritual encounter with God mm-hmm. I was overconfident I thought I could do it on my own and I was hitting rock bottom. Yeah. And so I know now that it was linked to spiritual warfare yeah. and people don't associate things like depression and mental illness with spiritual warfare, but it is spiritual warfare and we have to know how to fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, through you know 2017, I just didn't want to do anything. Um, some of the moments I had were the lowest moments of my life really. Um, you know, I said that Faith and I were married in 2017. We bought our first house in 2018. We had Ellie, our firstborn, in 2019. Uh, but in 2018, I actually remember, you know, very well coming home from vacation. And on that vacation, I spent so much time playing video games, didn't spend time, quality time with family. Um, and so I come home and I had nothing, I felt like I had nothing to come home to. Um, and so nothing I did that day worked. Like I was just so upset, so sad, so depressed. I hadn't, didn't know why. And I literally remember laying down that night, just crying in bed and like so bad, like the bed was shaking. I was, I was just beside myself. Um, and it was that day that faith, you know, she came and, and she laid hands on me and she prayed for me. And I just remember crying out like, you know, God, take this away from me. Take it, take it away from me. And I, I called it what it was. I called it depression. And I said, I don't want this anymore. Take it. Um, and I believe that day is the day that he took depression from me because I've not struggled with the actual depression since then. Now, I've struggled with the after effects of depression that I'll, I'll kind of get into in a second. But I never struggled with depression again. And I wanted to read three Psalms uh, just real quick. It's Psalm 6, 9. It says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Yeah. I, I want to touch on, too, how powerful it, is, it can be for your spouse to pray for no, you. I was yes. just about to say that. Yes. Get you a spouse who will lay hands and pray. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, other people can absolutely pray for you, mm-hmm. but there's There's something special. In, yeah. A yeah. spouse that will lay hands on you and there, absolutely. pray for you. Go, yeah, just go to war for you. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, another psalm, it's 145, 17 through 19. It says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. 
The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. And then Psalms 55, 16 through 18, it says, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. Um, and, and that's what the Lord did. Even though I had so many things coming against me, so many, you know, depression was at, at its lowest point in my life. The Lord was still right there. He heard my cry. He saved me from it. He wants to do the same for, for you, for everyone else. Yeah. That's what he wants to do. Um, but are we willing to let him? Because yeah. at some point, like, we have to let him. Uh, you know, there's healing, and, and, you know, grace is a gift. But we still have to accept that gift. We still have to unwrap that gift, mm-hmm. and then we still have to use it. Yeah. We can't just receive it and just sit it under the tree or, you know, like we do at Christmas or, yeah. you know, just throw it in the yard sale pile. Yeah. Um, we have to open it use it um but that takes me to kind of the last set of to the last you know six months um into early 2020 and that's in it was the last two months of 2019 um i fell back to twitter again no reason um you know at this point i was married had a six month old no reason um but you know, I, I did some research after the fact, and, and it turns out I was trying to fill a void that I wasn't letting faith fill. Um, I wasn't letting Jesus fill. And so even though depression was free, was I was free from depression, I wasn't free from the effects of depression. And so um, scientifically, there's actually two neurotrans, there's more neurotransmitters tied to it, but there's two tied to uh, depression and sexual behavior. You have serotonin, um, which is known as the feel-good chemical. It's associated with feelings of happiness, focus, and calm. Uh, and when you have lower levels of serotonin, that's typically associated with depression, um, which ironically also increase your sexual desire, which is interesting. Um, you also have dopamine, and that's the pleasure chemical. It's associated with rewards, motivation, and being productive. Again, low levels of dopamine can be associated with depression, uh, but high dopamine levels can actually cause impulsive and over, overly or overtly, I guess, uh, sexual desires. And so just from doing some research, um, many times it's the thrill of the search that increases your dopamine levels. So your body's almost lying to you at times because it's the thrill of the search. For me, it was the thrill of the search that was increasing that sexual desire. Um, and then when I found it, the dopamine levels just crashed. It's like a sugar high. Yeah. You're so high excited, then you just crash. Yeah. On our on our last um, episode that, that we had, we had um, Jay and Casey on, and they talked about pornography. And they he talked about how it's like a drug. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, a big documentary person. <laughs> you guys may not know. <laughs> um, but it, there was this doctor that was talking about, I was watching, like, something about, like, heroin addicts Mm -hmm. and they say like the first time you do heroin you get like an immediate rush you get like you know dopamine serotonin whatever it is like Mm -hmm. you immediately get that feeling but you can actually never get that again Mm -hmm. it only happens that one time so then you're constantly searching to get that high again and you're chasing it and you're chasing it but you actually never can and it's sort of like that you know you're you're constantly chasing for that high again but you're not gonna 
you'll never be satisfied. And, and that's why pornography is, is so dangerous. Yeah. I mean, just sexual immorality is just so dangerous yeah. because a lot of times it is that thrill of the search. And when you find it and your dopamine crashes, you just don't know what to do with yourself because now you're, you're spiraling down into depression again. Your, your body's not, doesn't know what's happening to itself. And so now when you try to, um, you know, find that desire and find that love with your wife, you don't know how to Yeah. because your body's lied to you. Yeah. And then you have the shame and the guilt on top of exactly. it, you know, that just kind of follow along with that. Yep. Yep. And so through all that, you know, the devil, the Satan, you know, is trying to use your body, trying to lie to you. Uh, by using your body, by, by twisting um, the way your body works. And, and that's where I said earlier, you know, depression is, um, you know, there is clinical depression that is caused by an imbalance of chemicals. But this is a situation where I was imbalancing my chem- the chemicals in my body. Yeah. I was doing it myself. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I truly believe that the majority of cases of depression are that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we just have to find the root of where that depression is. And, and there we can, uh, you know, defeat it. And so um, in January 2020, I still remember, it's about 11, 1130 at night, and Faith gets a text message from her dad that says, hey, will you come downstairs? And we're not living with him at the time. Yeah, Let me just yeah. put that out. And, she come, and so she was already asleep. I was in another room, which... That's already a problem. Rule number one, if you're married, you don't have to go to sleep at the same time, but go to bed at the same time. Yeah. Okay? Um, because nothing good happens when you're separate. You're just putting yourself in too many yeah. temptations. Um, so it's 11, 11.30. Faith comes, gets me, and says, hey, dad, mom and dad wants to come downstairs. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I'm like thinking, or she's thinking, you know, somebody dead yeah um i'm i'm kind of like you know not really knowing what's happening and so we go downstairs and the first thing that terry says is what's happened on twitter and immediately my stomach just drops yeah and for for a decade i'd gotten so good at lying yeah i gotten so good at lying and did you deny at that point i I didn't he was caught. Yeah. yeah. I, I was so good at lying for so long. Um, Faith still calls me the best bullcrapper. Um, <laughs> it sounds just like her. <laughs> I can hear her saying yeah. that. <laughs> um, but it was that day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to confess to this. Yeah. And so I did. I confessed to it. And, you know, it was about 30 minutes of a conversation we had um, and then prayer that we had. And then I still remember Taylor looked at Faith and he said, what do you want to do? He said, do you want to come home with us or do you want to stay here? And I still remember that day her saying, I'm going to stay here. And it was, it was grace from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was grace from Jesus at the same time um, who sets us free. But it shows that we need Jesus, number one, if we're going to get, if we're going to beat depression, if we're going to beat the effects of depression. But number two, it also shows that we need other people. Mm-hmm. We need people who are willing to get, you know, down in the mire with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's Proverbs twenty seven seventeen that says, "As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another." We need those people in our life. Yeah. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really just to kind of ca- cap it all up with with my story. Um, I just want to share. It's really a psalm of victory 
uh, for me, but it's Psalm 40, 1 through 3, and it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Um, and so I say all that to say, even if you've struggled 10 years with depression, even if you've had the side effects that come with depression that's impacted so many other parts of your life, God still wants to heal you. He still wants to put a new song in you. He still wants to come and, and have that relationship with you. Um, so don't, don't wait. Don't wait um, another day. You know, um, so that that's really my story. Um, but I, I'd love if, if we have some time just to kind of share a story from the Bible and then also give some practical advice on how we can overcome it. What I still do today um, to kind of because I don't suffer from depression, but it doesn't mean I can ignore it. Right. Um, and so just to kind of set the story up, one of the I heard a message one time. Um, where a pastor took First Kings chapter 19. And it's the story of Elijah, the prophet Elijah. And in First Kings 18, <clears throat> Elijah actually challenged 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And to give some context, you know, those guys are associated with child sacrifice, sexual immorality, all kind of stuff. Um, but he challenged, you know, overall 850 prophets by himself. He had a spiritual encounter, a God encounter, and then after that encounter, he killed those prophets. The very next thing he did is he went, and there was a three-year drought, and he prayed that God would send rain, and he did. And so that was 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 19 starts off with Ahab going to tell Jezebel everything that Elijah just did. Jezebel sends a messenger that threatens, that says, hey, Elijah, I'm sending someone to kill you. Um, you know, it's the equivalent of getting a comment on Facebook now yeah. or getting a text message yeah. because Jezebel never followed through with that lie. Mm -hmm. um, but Elijah believed that lie. And so mm -hmm. there, there's five things that I got just real quick from First Kings uh, chapter 19 of something we can learn from depression. And number one, it's depression begins when we believe the lie. Um, I encourage you, go read First Kings 19. Go read it. Um, but depression begins when we believe the lie. Uh, Elijah believed the lie of Jezebel. <clears throat> and so what he proceeded to do was just fall into a darkness, fall into depression. Because number two, uh, we pick up in 1 Kings 19.3, that's where depression causes us to run from our purpose. And, it, and we attempt to do things by ourselves. And what Elijah did is he went away from where he was going. He went the opposite direction. And when he got there, he left his servant behind and kept going. Um, so depression causes us to run from our purpose and, and causes us to be think we need to do things by ourselves. The third thing is that depression will cause us to consider last resorts on overthinking. Um, <clears throat> and a last resort can be so many things. Um, it can be suicide. And in some you know extreme cases, it can be murder. It can be simply lying. It can be stealing. It can be destruction of friendships, divorce. Last resorts can be so many things, and that's what depression can, can cause us to have. Um, there's a psychological term called rumination. <clears throat> and what it means, it's, it's where there's constant talking to ourselves and thinking to ourselves, and it only adds to the depression and anxiety. Yeah. 
Uh, there's an author, Brian Tracy, that actually says 95% of your emotions are determined by the way you talk to yourself. Um, the fourth thing that depression can cause, depression can cause us to compare ourselves with others. Um, <clears throat> it, it's what Elijah did. He started comparing himself to his ancestors. Um, and so he was, he was doing that. And, and President Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so true. When you compare yourself to someone else, and that's what that's what social media ultimately is. Yeah. Social media was created so that you would be comparing yourself yeah. with other. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. It was created because it's all about the filter you choose with your picture. It's all about that that. The likes, the definition. Yep. <clears throat> it's about those likes. It's about man. What's the best? What's the best way I can explain what's happening today? To make others jealous. Yeah. It makes your life a facade because mm-hmm. instead yeah. of enjoying the moment or enjoying your vacation or Yeah, you're worried about what you're posting. You're posing the perfect way. Mm-hmm. You're you're yeah. filtering it the certain way and it just creates this facade and that's what creates this breeding ground for the enemy to come in and just yeah. cause those lies to stir up in our mind and start that comparison and yeah. And so, um, you know, social media is an open door for that stuff, but it's okay to step away. All right, so the fifth thing um, is that depression makes you think and feel like you're all alone. Um, one of the things that Elijah prayed, he actually said, um, you know, God, I've done all of these things for you, and now I'm the last one left. He actually believed, convinced himself that he was the only one left. And so th- this is just so many, this is just how depression can, can destroy our lives. It makes us think all these different things. The enemy loves to make us think that, hey, this is a common thing. It's normal that you have this. And and while it may be, it shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be. It, you know, we have to break that stigma of depression being a normal, a normal thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I bring it all the way around to how do we defeat depression? And number one, I think the first thing we have to do, um, and people don't think about it this way, but the first thing we have to do is we have to rest and prepare. We need we need to recover. And when you look at the first thing that happened uh, with Elijah when he uh, went to his final place before he encountered God, um, the angel of the Lord actually came to Elijah and he said, Hey, Elijah, wake up, eat, and drink. So Elijah did that and then went back to sleep. And then the angel of the Lord said, Hey, Elijah, wake up, eat, and drink. And he did. Um, and, and then it said, the Bible says that he was strengthened at that point. Um, and so I say all that to say that it's time to step away from things that don't matter. Um, there's an author and clinical psychology professor, Stephen, I think it pronounces it Ilardi. He, said, he has a quote that says, We were never designed for the sedentary, which means inactive, um, a lot of sitting down and just staring at the TV. Um, we were never designed for the sedentary, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. We were never designed for that. Um, so it, it's time to step away from things that don't matter. Social media, TV, you know, binging TV, uh, binge eating, you know, all this kind of stuff that we, we easily fall to. And so what we need to do is we need to examine ourselves. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me 
and lead me in the way of everlasting. When you pray that prayer, he's going to point those things out and then say, all right, now you point that thing out. I hear you. Now help me to transform and change. Um, 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And so these, these are, there's 10 areas that I try a minimum of, minimum doing it monthly um, I'm trying to start doing it weekly but I'll just encourage you know people do it monthly um, if you're if you're finding that it, it's helping you start doing it weekly but there's just 10 areas that just to go over real quick that I examine um, every month and number one it's and all it, all it takes and I encourage you to journal about it too all it takes is write write one sentence about how it was last week or last month and one sentence about how you can improve and impact it this week or this month. Uh, but number one is faith or your relationship with God. That's number, number one. Number two, it's your marriage, relationship with your spouse. Number three, it's family, you know, your relationship with kids, parents, siblings, in-laws. Um, number four, work. How's your work life? Number five, how's your entertainment life? What are you, what are you putting in when it comes to entertainment? Number six, your ministry life. And whether you think you're in ministry or not, you you are in ministry because we're all called to minister to people. So how is that part of your life? Number six, your social life. So that's separate from your relationship with your spouse and your and your family. That's your relationship with your friends because we we still need friends. Yeah. Um, Number um, seven or number eight is your attitude. Number nine is your finances, and number ten is your physical health. Um, so again, just take those things, one sentence about how it was last week, one thing about how you can improve on it this week. Um, the second thing, um, you know, so that's the first thing, you know, rest and preparation, recover. Number two, it's make prayer a priority. Something that me and Faith have started doing every night is we just lay in bed, hold hands, and we just, we go to war. <laughs> I, I'm serious, like... The last few nights, we've gone for we've gone to war uh, for other people, yeah. um, for for ourselves, for for our kids, um, because we have to make prayer a priority. Mm-hmm. So often it's a nine one one call, yeah. and it can't be that. Um, we need to our first response needs to be prayer. Yeah. Um, in Philippians four six through seven, it says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God." And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love a quote from Pastor Chris Hodges. He says, prayer is communion with God and confrontation with the enemy. Yeah. You're doing both those things in prayer. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not talking about just simple, quiet prayers. I'm talking about loud and bold prayers. Um, there's a pastor, I think he's an author, Matt Batterson. He actually has a quote that says, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Yeah. Um, so, so stop being quiet when you pray. Yeah. Like, vocalize it. Yeah, and even praying out loud. I talked about that mm-hmm. in, in my anxiety episode where mm-hmm. that, like, shifted mm-hmm. my, that shifted my whole life. Like, praying out loud. Not just yeah. praying in my head, like you said, praying quietly, like out loud where 
everyone can hear, the mm-hmm. enemy can hear, you can hear. Like, mm-hmm. that was just such a game changer for me in that yeah. battle with anxiety. Yeah. And, and God knows your thoughts, but yeah. he wants to hear your voice. Yeah. And there's so much power in it. Yeah. And, and I encourage I encourage people, don't let the first call you make be to the pastor or be to someone you know that prays. Yeah, let those people know. God doesn't want to hear the pastor pray on your behalf. He wants to hear you pray. He, he wants to hear you pray. Um, and and I, the Bible is just full of so many promises. That, that's what the Bible is. It's, it's a book of promises. And so when you're going through a situation, when you're, when you're going through a circumstance, I promise that there's a scripture in there that speaks to that circumstance. Start praying that scripture. Yeah. I think so many times people don't know what to pray. Um, where if you just open the Bible and you just pray yeah. scripture, because that's what's coming against the enemy. Yeah. That's what's coming against him. So pray, pray scripture over your situation. Pray scripture over your life. Declare things um, about the Lord according to what scripture says and remind the enemy of who he is according to what scripture says um second corinthians 1 18 through 20 says as surely as god is faithful our word to you does not waver between yes and no for jesus christ the son of god does not waver between yes and no he is the one whom silas timothy and i preach to you and as god's ultimate yes he always does what he says for all of god's promises have been fulfilled in christ with a resounding yes and through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So when we pray scriptures, we are saying yes to the promises that God's already declared over our lives. Um, I, I love another quote from Chris Hodges where he says, if you're not bumping heads with the devil, you may be walking with him. Oh, man. That's oh, good. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's eye-opening. <clears throat> so, so again, yeah. loud. Bold, vocal, spirit-filled, scripture-led prayers. Um, So number two, you know, make prayer a priority. Number three, take every thought captive. Uh, Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice he didn't say anything about watching Netflix. Yeah. Whatever is trending on Netflix. Right. Whatever's, you know, whatever is the best-selling, you know, album, CD, yeah. video game, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Think yeah. on those things. Those things affect Not on TikTok. God. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a fact. That's yeah. terrible. <clears throat> yeah, stay off TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and even the news. Like, yeah. I love... I love the news. I love politics. And information. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. But I've noticed that if I spend too much time in that stuff, it affects me. Yeah. And so I, I seriously, I, I don't watch the news. I don't watch it because it's nothing but doom and gloom. Yeah. I'll read headlines to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. And, and I'm good. Yeah. I'm good because it affects me. Yeah. Same. And, and just to put this little extra piece in there. TV and music also affects your children. Absolutely. Yes, yes it does. see a difference when you detox them mm-hmm. from, you know, all the coca melon all, and the, and yeah. all the things. Like, it really does. It really affect does affect them. Yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And we're even now, um, and, and, you know, not to you know, make anything political, but um, we're at the age now where, where Disney is even tapping into um, impacting our children. You know, we think of family-friendly company and now they're starting to instill values um, that 
I promise are not, you're not going to find those values in the Bible. Right. Um, and so we have to guard ourselves from that as well. Yeah. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. So number three, take every thought captive. Number four, the last one, it's surround yourself with godly friends and godly influences and also choose joy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a huge component of choosing joy. Um, happiness is found in circumstances, but joy is found in Christ. Yeah, and, and so um, we, we see in 1 Kings 19 um, where God shows Elijah. He pushes Elijah back to his purpose. And in doing so, he says, hey, you're going to go anoint all these thousands of people um, who are still following me, still following my words. And he, he also gives him a friend that never leaves him in Elisha. Um, and so that's where we have to surround ourselves with godly friends, godly influences. Um, Philippians four ten through thirteen it says, "I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty." or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I think that last part is, you know, that's that's our refrigerator verse. And it's great. It is. But I think when we put it into context of what Paul's writing about there, it makes that verse even more of a refrigerator verse. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so much joy that you can get from Jesus. If you just turn everything over to him, he's going to replace and fill that void that you, you think you've been missing for so long so long um because and and we're not meant to go through things on our own Mm -hmm. we're not meant to go through things on our own i'll I'll say it again you don't have to tell everybody but tell somebody yeah and get friends who are willing to speak truth into you and not just sugarcoat things and friends who are willing to say no this is not what you should be doing right now (laughs) exactly um because you know at the end of the day we can't ask for deliverance and then live with the same thoughts Mm -hmm. and and about like talking to people, one thing to know is the enemy wants nothing more than to keep you silent, to make yes. you think that people just want to be in your business or yeah. people are going to gossip about you. Mm-hmm. That is the lie of the enemy it is, so that you can stay it bound. It is. Yeah. It's a lie that has, you know, crippled the church, Yeah. yeah. you know, as a whole. Like, oh, I can't talk about this issue. I can't reach out to keep someone. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there's so many people living in hurt and pain because they think they can't open up. Yeah. And... and I'll be the first one to say, I promise, if you're, if you're going to friends that they are judging you, you're not going to the right friends. Right, exactly. Um, because I promise, if you go to a true, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving friend, they're going to say, oh, you're going through that? So am I, man. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's do this together. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we can't ask for deliverance and then live with the same thoughts. We can't ask for forgiveness and then live the same lifestyle. And we can't ask for healing and continue to live reckless and carefree. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and that brings us to the very last thing that I, I want to talk about, which spiritual warfare is real. And we have to start treating spiritual warfare like it is real. Um, I am going to promote this book. If anybody <laughs> wants to get it, Chris Hodges wrote an incredible book. It's called Out of the Cave. Um, the subtitle is Stepping into the Light When Depression Darkens What You See. And in that book, he talks about three sets of three uh, when it comes to spiritual warfare and just read the book or get the book 
you can read it here. I'm just going to highlight it. Um, but the first set of three, it's recognize three spiritual realities. And number one, it's that the devil's real. Um, most Christians, actually 59%, don't even believe that there's a literal devil. Wow. As Christians, 59% of Christians. Um, only 46% of Christians strongly believe that Jesus didn't sin. So that means 40, 40, or 54% of Christians believe that Jesus could have sinned. And then 58% of Christians don't believe in the actual embodiment of the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. um, so we have to understand that the devil is real. Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 10 through 15, uh, it says several things, but what it really uh, highlights is that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Um, and that he's done it so well now because we see that people don't even think he's real because he's he's hidden himself so well um, he's hidden himself so well in our society that now we what we think is you know what people have always thought is bad they're now thinking it's good because he's masqueraded himself as light and so we have to understand that the devil's real um, number two we have to understand that the devil wants to destroy you I said earlier the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but Jesus comes that we may have life and have it to the fullest um, you know I think it's in first Peter that he says, be sober and be, be vigilant and be mindful um, that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he, he's going to devour. So he wants to destroy you. And number three, the last reality is that the devil responds to a higher authority. Um, and that's the authority we have to use. John 4, 4, it's he who's greater, or he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Uh, the second set of three is just three spiritual weapons. Number one, it's the name of Jesus. So how are we fighting Satan? We're fighting him with the name of Jesus. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, 10 through 11, where it talks about every, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord. Um, I love Luke 10, 17 through 19, where the, the disciple or the 72 that Jesus sent out returned. They say, man, demons were, you know, listening to us and, and were, you know, submitting to us. And he's like, and Jesus says, man, I was there when Satan fell. Yeah. You know, so many times now people think that there's this arm wrestling match going on in, in you know, the spiritual realm where Satan and, and Jesus are in a stalemate. Mm -hmm. Nope. No, no, no. You know, Satan saw, or Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning instantaneously. That, that's how Jesus wins the battle instantly. Um, number two, the other spiritual weapon is the blood of Jesus. Uh, you have Revelation 12, 11 that says they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And then number three, the third weapon is the Word of God. And that's why it's so important that we pray, pray scriptural prayers, pray spirit-filled spirit prayers. Um, Ephesians 6, 11 says to put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Don't just sit, just say, hey, I have it. Actually put it on. Um, and then, you know, you also have... You know, Ephesians 6, where it talks about the sword of the spirits, the word of God. You have Hebrews 4, that talks about, you know, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, we have to start using it that way. Um, and then the last thing, uh, three spiritual practices. Number one, daily submit yourself to God. So that's something we have to do daily. Uh, number two, close any open doors that give the enemy access. That's our responsibility. Uh, we have, if we want to change, we have to close those doors. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11 says, Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And while I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, 
I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware, unaware of his schemes. Um, so, you know, we have to forgive others. Um, Satan has a field day when we don't forgive people. And, you know, there's an old pastor uh, who went to church with us, Pastor Harry Ramey, I'll never forget. He said they may, may not deserve to be forgiven, but we deserve to be free. And it's so true. Uh, Ephesians 4 talks about in your anger, do not sin. Don't go to sleep when you're still angry. Um, because that's where a devil, the devil can get a foothold. And so we have to know how to control our emotions. We have to close the door on certain emotions. Um, and then Ephesians 5, 10, 11, again, it says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of the evil and darkness, but instead expose them. And then the last thing we have to do is we have to confront the enemy every day. Um, there's strongholds, there's principalities of darkness that we have to confront every day. And so the moral of the story is that depression is real. It is serious. Um, but we have to stop let Satan have a field day and just let it be his, pre his playground. We have to stop letting Satan set the rules of engagement. Um, but it, it's really time for us as the church, as Christians, as believers, um, to really fight back and remind Satan of who Jesus is and also remind Satan of who he is. Because at the end of the day, Jesus wins. He loses. And... He's just butthurt about it. Um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for talking with us today. I think it was so cool that you opened up a, about a lot of things that you struggled with. I think it's really brave to talk about hard things. And you gave people practical steps. And I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. And I hope that somebody listening who maybe struggled in the past gets courage to talk to somebody else or somebody struggling yeah. finds the courage to go to someone they trust and start that battle of, um, you know, telling the enemy that he has to flee and telling depression that it has to go. Yeah. And um, I think that there's going to be a big impact from your story today. Yeah, for sure. There is hope. Yeah. So thank you so much for talking to us today. Yeah.